It can be cruel, poetic, or blind. But when it's denied, it's your violence you may find, said Edward. The Batman replied, Justice! The answer's justice! Recognize this quotes movie? Stay tuned to find out or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Tom, and with me is... Ben. And Ragnar. Thanks for joining us. Ben hosts the Three Films and a Podcast podcast, which also consists of geographically challenged co-hosts exploring movies. You may remember Ben from our World of Apu, Shin Godzilla, and I Know What You Did Last Summer episodes. Ben also has another podcast running. What was that, Ben? Uh, the other one is uh, 24 Minutes of A24. We're just going through the A24 library and doing our best to talk about it in 24 minutes. We have never done it in 24, but <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I, I can relate. Uh, Ragnar has joined us for 10 episodes, including rules of the game, parasite and Chinatown. Ben and Ragnar conveniently like movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz, as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant, where anything goes. So today we are going back to... 2022, basically last weekend, to visit the recently released movie, The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. There will be spoilers in this episode for The Batman, so if you haven't seen it yet, turn off this recording and run to the theater. All right, so here's the plot summary. Um, <laughs> this movie is a, another telling of The Batman. It's kind of a, a year two Batman. Um, and what we see here is a serial killer who becomes known as the Riddler is out and about in Gotham. And Batman, who has yet to really develop his Bruce Wayne persona, is trying to figure out what the Riddler is up to. Meanwhile, the Riddler, through his crimes, is exposing a tremendous amount of corruption going on in the city that may connect to Batman's family. Ben. If you had one word to describe the Batman, what would it be? Noir. Ragnar? Long. <laughs> uh, and my word would be moody. It's time for question one. What is the date the movie begins on? Locked in. Locked in. All right, Ragnar, what do you have? Halloween. All right, Ben, what do you have? Yep, October 31st, yep. All right, very good. Points for all. Uh, and I brought this question forward. It's the beginning of the movie, but also I think it speaks to some of the sources, namely if, if anybody knows the long Halloween Batman mm -hmm. comics from 96, 97. Um, I think it's uh, Joseph Loeb and Tim Sale did the artwork. Uh, and 
not necessarily in reference to The Long Halloween, but I was interested in what you guys thought of how this movie exists in dialogue, in discourse with past Batman iterations. I liked the Halloween setup. Um, I think it worked especially well here because it was, uh, I don't know, everyone's in costume, so you don't know who's you know dressed up like the bat just for fun or who's actually Batman and same with the reverse, like who are the actual bad guys and who aren't so it just left a real sense of like i guess wonder like a uh, uncertainty you know we're not quite sure who is who and who's what but I, th- I thought it was a great um setting for this you know to start out you know batman returns get a lot of the christmas snowy stuff so i i like it kind of being set around a holiday i think it always works well but i i really enjoyed this well first of all i, I know this is an audio thing so kj i want to cut this part out but there it is this is the long halloween I'm a huge fan. I'm for people who are listening. I'm holding up my uh, copy of the Long Halloween. Huge fan, and I think Matt Reeves and company are also huge fans of this book. Um, it it doesn't start on Halloween by accident. Uh, it's clearly a nod to Long Halloween, as are all the characters in it. Um, uh, what, what's the crime lord name? Uh, Falcone, I think it is. Yeah, Falcone uh, and Marconi. Both yeah, Marconi appear in in the Long Halloween. Absolutely. In yeah. fact, they have Falcone had some scars. It's kind of a blink and you miss it thing, but he has some scars on his uh, cheek, mm-hmm. which is which he got during the Long Halloween. But I don't think it was ever explained in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but uh, besides that, what Ben said is absolutely right. I think the intro could be the best part of the movie. Um, the Halloween Batman talking to himself, or I'm actually writing in his journal. Um, just a great, great opener with a great tension, great noir feel. The shadow work is amazing. So I'm really, really, I was, I was through the roof with the intro. Yeah. I, I, uh, like you, Ragnar, I'm a big fan of, of the long Halloween. And um, I enjoyed how this movie look towards the comics and kind of combined a few different things uh you know the long halloween and then i don't know if anybody's read batman year zero it was part of that new 52 reboot that that yeah uh, i can pull off the shelf if you want. <laughs> <laughs> i like all the visual aids we're getting this is awesome yes yeah, yes exactly. yeah i bring the visual aids to an audio only podcast yep yeah uh that's 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 you know that's Ragnar. <laughs> All right, he combines senses. Um, but yeah, I, I like those references to the comic as well, uh, to those comics as well. Uh, there's also a huge debt in this film and probably in all the Batman since uh, Tim Burton's to both Frank Miller and um, Alan Moore as well. Uh, which isn't necessarily reflected in the plot, but certainly in the, the kind of the mood or, or the character there. Um, I'd say I think Pattinson is, uh, along with Michael Keaton, my favorite Batman. Um, I think he's certainly the more interesting Batman. Really? Can mm-hmm. you tell me why? I. It's a very soulful performance. Soulful performance, um, you know, for what you can get, right? Because I mean, he's covered in a leather mask most of the time. Um, but it's he gets at this sort of um, distant, glazed-over 
kind of almost socially unintelligent person that he is. Like what a, you know, uh, he reminds me a little bit of like Howard Hughes, right? You imagine that Howard Hughes had some of these tics, even though Howard Hughes had far more of a libido. Um, and that that he kind of plays there. And I, I, some people had complained that we don't really see the invention of Bruce Wayne in this. Bruce Wayne in, in other iterations tends to perform the role of playboy. He isn't really a playboy in order to, to distract. Um, Pattinson's Wayne hasn't really developed there. There's no fine line or dividing line between him and Batman. Um, and that inability to that inability to perform, I think, served him well. And he, you know, played that, played that throughout. Um, Michael, Michael Keaton has a little bit of it. I don't mean to go on and on, but Michael Keaton has a little bit of it. I find his Batman very interesting. I'm, I'm less in love with the uh, with the Christian Bale version. Mm. But what do you think of his Batman? I, I see your point, and, I, and I, that's one thing I really liked about it was we talk about uh, how Batman is the the actual person, and Bruce Wayne is the the mask, so to speak, mm. and. I don't think any movie leans into that concept more than this one. Yes. Because Batman and Bruce Wayne in this movie are the same. They're both moody. They're both dark. Um, and that's how he has been probably since his parents died. Um, so we see a Batman that has not yet created the character of Bruce Wayne. Um, at least we hope that's what they were going for instead of just moody all the way through um, that in subsequent movies, then he'll learn how to create this character, this Bruce Wayne. And, and he was getting there towards the end. Um, so it, it's very much leaning into Batman is who this person is, and he has not yet learned how to separate that uh, from Bruce Wayne. Yeah, seeing this, like, honestly, I was caught off guard by, I guess, like realizing how much I love the Playboy Bruce Wayne because <laughs> I left this movie kind of bummed out honestly like out of the three of us on three films i liked it the least it's still a really good film like I, I had a good time but i was just like man i guess i never thought about how much i enjoy seeing that side the party thrower the whatever you know it's like it's fun to see that and having three hours with like none of that like, <laughs> wow this is just like like you said kind of long you know it's like that didn't feel <laughs> like there was any switch in like the feeling or the theme at all throughout the whole thing which obviously is intentional and, you know, I've said it, we did a review about it. It's like, I know I need to see this again before I really like stick to my feelings hundred percent on this. But my initial thought as I was leaving the theater is like, I forgot how much I like love Bruce Wayne in the Batman movies. And it was just such a bummer to not see it at all. But I do think Pattinson played Batman really well. I'm excited. You know, like Ragnar said, like, I really hope in this next iteration, whatever, like we get to see him creating that character because, you know, that is the alias for him. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he can like utilize that, especially with this one really kind of also felt like one of the first ones in a while anyways, that hit home the detective in detective comics, you know? And so I thought that was kind of cool to see. So I'm curious when this next movie, which feels like inevitable, which is awesome, but I'm like, I want to see more of the detective stuff, but also the creation of like his alter ego in Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I have to say, I also, of my friends probably liked it the least. Um, I, I think that the tedium as, as you, or the, the length of the film, how you felt the length, I, I did too. And I think it's a really good point, Ben, that it's just, it's 
kind of dark all the way through. It it, it really is unrelenting. You get one joke when uh, with the cats, right? You get a lot of cats. Yeah, it's, just, it's a really well directed beat. It's it's very funny, um, you know. But that's that's about it. And there's a there's a critic who works for Time, the 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 periodical, and she made this really good point. She's you know because she wasn't particularly fond of of the film as well. Um, about how it might be the case that people like Frank Miller have too much of an influence, right? That they're, you know, that there's, everybody owes so much to them that maybe actually they don't. <laughs> maybe maybe there's room for a, a kind of divergent from that, that kind of tonal source. It, it, it did feel like the movie definitely leaned into that ins inspiration a bit much, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. where they're almost out frank miller in frank <laughs> yes you know? it's like even frank miller is not this moody you know yeah um and, and there's a difference between like moody and the emo it's a fine line <laughs> and this was definitely more towards the emo thing yeah count, count me in as the third person who I, I feel like this movie is a really good movie wrapped in a really bad movie mm. and so it's like a mind though sometimes i'm loving it and then the next, like I said, the intro, and then the next time, the next step I take is I'm, I'm hating it. So yeah. it's a very mixed bag for me. Yeah, it's it's well directed. I think it is mm -hmm. certainly well directed. Um, yeah, Matt absolutely. Reeves understands how an image hits you. I think more yep. than Nolan um, than Nolan does. So it is, I think, a far more. I, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't find Nolan's filmmaking to be visually interesting or coherent but i know i'm in the minority there but uh um I, you know so i like goodbye i'm leaving this podcast thank you yeah uh. <laughs> i'll say i'll give you coherent i understand that complaint but interesting it's like i, I feel like it's very mm -hmm. uh, yeah i mean well own, i like yeah, it. yeah yeah um but regardless of, of nolan's influence i i do think i like your your description ragnar of its uh like a good movie wrapped in a bad movie or a bad movie wrapped in a good movie. I forget how the sandwich worked, but it, it's a, it's, it's a good description. There's a lot of skilled people doing good work in this. It's time for question two. What is the name of the real club? Hmm. There's a club and then there's the real club. This is why you have to bring a notebook to the movies. All movies yes, are exactly. homework. <laughs> I'll I'll lock Should in with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll lock in for the sake of moving it along. Sure, uh, Ragnar, what do you have? Um, six feet under. All right, and what do you have? I want to say something like forty-four below or some something like that. All right. And Ben has it. It's 44 below. Oh, is it? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Three pointer from half court. Well done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 44 below. So I brought up this question to talk uh, not necessarily about the Riddler plot line, though that's always open. Anything's open. But to talk about the both the mob plot line and the sort of sense of scene as well, because I think those two things more than the Riddler plot line intersect. The the Riddler, the Riddler plot line, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of hard, you know, I, the movie is not quite as fresh in my mind. It's hard to untangle all the different threads mm -hmm. uh, in the plot line. Um, so the Riddler, which at times 
felt like a little bit too much Joker-ish. Um, I think was a great way to kick off the film. Like I said, that intro scene from him talking about he is the shadows through that first crime scene inspection and he's slowly walking around the crime scene. I thought that was all great. And to what Ben said, um, it really sets up more than any Batman film, the detective side of it. So I think the Riddler aspect to the movie brings David Fincher seven into the, the Batman world. And I really, really appreciate it because that is truly something we haven't seen before in the past. I, I really, uh, you know, speaking quickly to the Riddler, that very opening scene of the movie was very like rear window Hitchcockian, which I thought was awesome as like we're going through like, like the binoculars and watching stuff. And then to go into, I forget who the guy is, but like into his suite or whatever. And it's he's the, the mayor. Phone. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was the mayor. And he's complaining and stuff. And then like, he just moves, I think to the left or something. And all of a sudden, like the Riddler's just behind. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like that, that got me. I was like, oh, okay. This is the Riddler we're dealing with. Like I knew it wasn't going to be Jim Carrey, but I did not know it was going to be this. Like this was a lot, but speaking to the, the mob plot line, I think that's for me where this movie fell short the most. Like that's where I had the biggest issues with this. Cause I feel like if you get John Turturro to come be, Carmine Falcone like he's not gonna not be involved you know and they're just like like no he's just like a guy on the side like muscle for hire so like, I don't know about that you know <laughs> and, you know it's like I don't know I just don't get I mean at the same time they didn't bring in Peter Sarsgaard to like die in five minutes so like they're not above bringing in big actors for certain things but when you have Turturro and like and the thing I loved about it is they let him just be like the mob boss which I feel like Tatura always has to have like a quirk or something, you know, like Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies. So the whole like Jesus thing, but Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like even the night of, like there's always something a little comedic about him, which is understandable. It's why he's so great. But this felt like one of the first times I was like just playing it super straight. Like he is just a bad guy. And it, I don't know, like it felt like we were um, kind of circling around the Falcone thing over and over again, like, I know this is a spoiler thing, but the whole reveal of his tie to Catwoman, I was like, that was completely unnecessary to me. Like that, to me, to like didn't add anything at all personally. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I think I see what they were trying to go for the ties to, you know, Batman and Catwoman, but that connection, like it just didn't hit me like, Oh, I get why she's so, you know, tied to it now. It's like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It didn't really do anything, <laughs> but it just felt like a, a lot of circling around like, Oh, is it Falcone? Is it this person? Whatever. And then for them to just come back around, like, yeah, it was Falcone the whole time. It's like, yeah, I think we kind of saw it coming. <laughs> I think that's why it felt like the weakest storyline to me. This, mm. it was three hours and it felt like we jammed so much stuff into this three hours. We're like, I kind of wish we just like stayed with the Riddler in Catwoman the whole time. I think it could have like gotten a whole lot deeper, but I'm always glad to see John Turturro. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it has kind of thematic punch Catwoman's parentage because these are all people who've been abandoned by by fathers and the city is the biggest father who abandons them all you know that type of thing uh but i i get your point that there's not a lot that it's pretty obvious what's actually happening that he's guilty it's going to be pretty obvious that thomas wayne is really not the bad guy that he's he's dangled out there to be um i think actually the long halloween i, I know ragnar you've read it i don't know if you've read it ben um 
Yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it it does this sort of covers the same area, and it does it in a much more interesting way. Uh, it's it's much better, and I think it's the jamming everything together, like you're saying, Ben, stuffing this you know two hour and ninety eight minute or a two hour fifty eight minute film with um with the, this Riddler plot and also the the long Halloween plot did did distract. Um, there's also another thing with the plot. Batman doesn't save anyone except Bruce Wayne. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. I am so glad you said that. He, he is the He's worst an utter failure ever. Yeah. He didn't solve anything. He didn't stop anything. He mm. didn't help anything. He helped the Riddler. Yeah. Right? I mean, he helped yeah. the Riddler. So, yeah, absolute terrible detective. Awful. Yeah. He figured out the URL, which is what the Riddler wanted him to find anyway. Um, <laughs> Thumb drive. Thumb drive. Yeah. Thumb drive was yeah. was funny. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he, the only person he saves is is Bruce Wayne. And apparently, if you're related to Bruce Wayne, um, bombs are simply ways to get across the room. They don't they don't damage <laughs> you in any way. But uh, that's fine. It's, it's, it's called plot armor. Plot yes, armor. Yeah, exactly. Very thick. Very thick. <laughs> very thick. Yeah, it's a good it's a good transportation method. But yeah, I, I get your point, Ben. I, I do think that is uh, that plot's the weakest. I will say I liked the sense of scene or or sight, like that's the scene, you know, the kind of Club Fifty Four mm-hmm. type type thing uh, that the club gave us. Um, I thought yeah. that was a lot of fun, and actually, uh, I really I like their Gotham as well. Not with the same kind of love I have for Burton's Gotham, which I think mm-hmm. is the best filmed Gotham there is. Um, but I I did like the sort of uh, you know '80s New York or what New York was going to be in five mm-hmm. years if things if things keep up. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Going going into the club, um, it was kind of funny. My girlfriend leaned over to me and she's like, "To the Bat Rave," and I haven't gotten that out of my head since then. <laughs> like, I was so angry at how funny that was. About it, so why didn't I come up with that? <laughs> yeah, know, that was that was the highlight of my viewing of yeah. the Batman. Um, but I did. I liked that club. I actually really liked us like meeting Penguin and Catwoman that way. Like the first time he goes in, I thought that was like utilized pretty well. And then the drawback to be like, oh, there's the club inside the club. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That's interesting to know because all this seems so like wide open and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. I did. I'll say like, I think Penguin was my favorite out of the movie. Um, I thought like he was pretty funny, like his whole mm-hmm. like no habla espanol like that whole thing when they're like <laughs> trying to figure out el rata a lot of you know and I, I liked that and then the funniest part of the whole movie to me is because he's tied up and he's like walking out after them because they're leaving him and he's like just doing the penguin waddles like mm. that's like yes it's so slight and just like we're not like tied on it and like really hidden at home but it's like it's just so funny seeing him do that like mm. that's that's awesome that's exactly what this needed so yeah. uh i enjoyed colin farrell quite a bit in this i, I liked his character and i think maybe maybe that's what I wanted more of, you know, Mm -hmm. it's some, one of my other complaints too. And it's hard, like he has a ton of great villains. You know, I think him and Spider-Man are just like, they're, they have all the best, you know, rogues gallery, so to speak, but it was also weird kind of like, we didn't meet anyone new, like the, all of the bad people in this movie, like we've seen in other movies, obviously different versions of it. But I was like, kind of hoping maybe, I don't know, maybe in the second one, we'll get somebody different, but uh, Colin Farrell really, he was great to me. I thought he was having a good time. It seemed like. Yeah, that's a good point. He was having a good time. He was enjoying the, uh, the role. 
I, to me, it felt like, I, I agree 100%, Penguin was the best actor in this movie. Con Farrell, sorry, as Penguin was the best actor. He was doing like a uh, Robert De Niro Penguin mix kind of thing that really worked. And And I might be in the minority saying this, but I thought Catwoman was not only poorly casted, um, but poorly written and should have been completely taken out of the, of the plot. Um, I think the whole, he's my father thing, it's just, it's adding too much complexity to an already bloated plot. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I, I think this is gonna be, this should be the one of the first movie, maybe the first movie that the director's cut is 30 minutes shorter rather mm. than 30 <laughs> longer. Yeah. I, I was really hoping they would save their romance for the second movie if they yes. were going to do it um because i was just really you know i mean she, she just lost her girlfriend you know i think that's what we're led to believe and all of a sudden it's just like all right i'm cool i'm over it like i'll leave this guy it's like at least like well let's wait a movie it just that felt like really rushed to me and kind of unnecessary I don't again know how much it added to like their connection but you know i don't yep. know i like zoe kravitz i agree with you though i don't know how well written the character was but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I I like the sexuality between them because I, I think Batman could use some <laughs> some you know, superheroes generally could use a little horniness. It's it's just something that is almost yeah. never recognized in in this genre, uh, with maybe the occasional Tony Stark, but that got written out as we as he became more likable yeah. because sex is apparently means you're unlikable. But anyway, um, I I agree with this idea that if you write her out, could you still have this plot and would it work? Um, and also I, you know, like we get the idea of the abandoning father, right? And the mm -hmm. polis is the father of us all that has, that has abandoned us in this case, or has abandoned them in this case, having like another bad father figure. It's, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, we get it guys. We get it. Yeah. So that, I think that is a, that is a, is a really good point. Um, it's nice to have Pattinson's Batman have someone to, to kind of bounce things off of or be True. frustrated with. Um, I don't know. Why do you guys think she was poorly cast? I've seen her in other movies, like uh, I think the most recent one, Kimmy, uh, that's on HBO Max. And I think she, she does a great job there. I think she's a, a fine actress. But it's something in the delivery of her lines when she's trying to say something with a lot of weight behind it and importance behind it. It just comes off like a vapid teenager that's how i felt okay. you know mm. um and and just one other thing is i i agree with both of you ben how was talking about how they should have saved kind of the romance to the second movie um because this movie was filled with scenes that they felt that movie feels has great weight to them great importance to them and for me just called kind of flat the romance where they kind of go separate ways at the end that's great scene that's a great thing it would have been awesome in the second movie when this move when this romance had had more time to develop in the first one felt like well of course he he's just he met her like three days ago would he <laughs> give up everything for her you know and the, and the thomas wayne uh, going back to the gangster stuff the thomas wayne reveal thomas wayne is corrupt and he's bad and whoa, what a revelation. And how long do we sit with that revelation? Maybe a scene, 
Yeah. And the next thing he's literally talking to Alfred in the hospital bed, mm-hmm. trying to copy the Nolan hospital bed scene. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, no. He was just a little bit crap, but not really crap. And then it's like, okay, so he's not, you know, so we live with that revelation for two moments. Mm-hmm. We live with the romance for three moments. So mm-hmm. there's just no weight to any of these scenes. Yeah. Um, sorry. That's the ramble. Um, Please ramble. Yeah. 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 <laughs> To, to add on to that, like, I, I don't necessarily think she was miscast. It just like, wasn't written well, um, I, you know, or I don't know, not as developed, I guess, as maybe I would have wanted. But I do wish, like, there had been more of a will they, won't they uh, throughout the movie without the actual payoff of them, you know, even just kissing, whatever. And then they split ways because then, yeah, in the second movie, if they come back and that chemistry is still there, then it pays off even more. It's like, oh, they remember each other, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, that was another frustration of mine jumping to Thomas, what the Alfred hospital bed scene is like <laughs> so many people praise this movie and somewhat rightfully so just like, you know, with the newest Spider-Man, like we don't need the origin story. I get that. And that was great. But at the same time, Alfred said literally the origin story from every movie. It's like, Oh, what did like, what if theoretically like your parents got shot in an alley by some muggers? Like, you guys are so close to not like addressing this at all. Like that would have been great. It's like, why do we have to do this? Like you may have not shown it, but you just like said it. And it's like, that's to me, that's the same, you know, it's like, Oh, they were so close to like, we don't, let's not deal with his origin. We're two years in I'm like, cool. Great. Let's pick it up. Let's go right here. But then still we have to be like, I know they didn't say it, but they might as well have said like, what if her pearl necklace shattered on the ground? You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, man, like, I think we could have done without this, but yeah, um, yep. I, yeah I don't know. Again, like I, I don't necessarily have a problem with Zoe Kravitz. I think it's a lot more in the writing, but maybe just like Bruce potentially in this like sequel, maybe she'll develop more as a character. There might be some more, I don't know, gravitas or whatever to her feelings and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, with where she leads off to, like, I think that leads, that, that could be an interesting second movie. Yeah. It's another example of, I think that's right. yeah, yeah. That's another example of, of Bruce Wayne not figuring something out. <laughs> Somebody comes in and, and tells yeah. him. And I'm not entirely sure why Alfred didn't tell him this before. Right? Yeah. Like, wouldn't wouldn't he have asked, do you know anything? Any Was there any... I'm, I'm sure Bruce Wayne has been investigating the murders, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it sort of, yeah, it just becomes exposition dump. And uh, it's also a really good point on your part, Ragnar. None of these scenes are allowed to last very long. So I think the visual storytelling is is uh, usually pretty interesting. Um, nothing, nothing from the dialogue has any kind of real weight. I think we literally live with him walking down the hallway. It takes longer than the amount of time we live with some of these revelations. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah. There's just one after another after another. It becomes sort of it's Agatha Christie if Agatha Christie was really serious. <laughs> Which is not a good way it's, to do Agatha Christie. <laughs> All right. Um, after round one, we have Ben in the lead with two points and Ragnar right behind with one. We will see you after this word from our sponsor. Hi, Tom here. I have a statement from Steve a recent customer for e-possession, the service that pairs you with a ghost so that you may be possessed by a ghost whose personality suits you. Here is Steve. I've always struggled with finding the right spirit or demon to possess me, 
My friends always said I should go online, but I was always nervous. Online possession was just not for me. Then one day, my friend introduced me to e-possession, and my possession needs were met. My demonic possessor is named Akkadian. He is a Sumerian god of the underworld responsible for moving and maintaining the dark pits of the underworld. Akkadian is a great guy. I mean, we did have to work out a shared diet. He's allergic to dairy and gluten, which is fine. It's fine. I'm a little annoyed by his insistence on listening to vinyl records over everything else. I mean, YouTube is fine, or Spotify, that's okay as well. Everything doesn't have to be vinyl. And also, he really likes to have a man bun. Like, I had to grow out my hair and put it in a bun to make this guy happy. And also, his pants are either like too big or too tight. But y- you know what? It's fine. It's fine. I-, I can live with all that because I have finally found a demon or spirit that will pair well with me. Thanks, Steve. And thanks for telling us about your first-time e-possession. E-possession. It's the possession service for you. All right, and welcome back to Talking Pictures Trivia. Now we have questions for our guests that we ask every week. And we will start with Ben. The question is, if you had to write a sequel to The Batman, and we're almost certain a sequel is being made as we speak, uh, what would your sequel be? Well, uh, as I established last time we talked on Clerks, this is a weak spot for me. I'm not great at doing this, um, but I am kind of curious to see what I feel like should have been the post credit scene of the Arkham meetup. I'm curious to see where they take this. Um, I think that'll be kind of interesting. I think... That maybe what Nolan originally wanted to do with Dark Knight Rises, you know, if Heath Ledger had, you know, lived. And I think that was going to be part of like that third movie that would have been really interesting. So I'm curious to see what they do with, uh, you know, those two. But more than anything, if we're going to go realistic with these characters, having just rewatched um, Batman and Robin, I actually really mm-hmm. want to see a very realistic Poison Ivy. I want to see someone <laughs> who can use like the or- organic stuff to like, I don't know, I guess just like mess with people to, you know, have her evil ways and stuff. I think that'd be a really interesting character. Like, how do you combat that? I think that would really open up some of the detective stuff of having to actually like learn how to fight this stuff and counteract and everything. So um, I don't know what the movie is. I just know that I would love to see their take on a, a realistic poison ivy and the havoc that, or the havoc that she could wreak. Hmm. How about you, Ragnar? What would your sequel be? So I thought about that. Um, I feel like they, the Batman, this what's undoubtedly going to be a series, uh, kind of blew their wad a little bit early in terms of Nolan waited until the third movie to have a city-wide, you know, nuclear bomb thing. You know, it's hard to go above that. So the Riddler flooded the city. Um, so I, I, I have two ideas. Number one, we go with that and we have this kind of like sequel where half the city's flooded, you know, like you said, year zero, Hurricane Katrina and how that kind of like plays into the Batman. And it's, it might be interesting to see him out of his element, but I think what I would prefer to see is now go opposite. We, we've gone big scale. 
Uh, now let's see how the Joker and the Riddler or whomever, Poison Ivy, uh, target maybe Batman specifically, maybe Bruce Wayne specifically and his friends and Alfred. He doesn't have Robin, you know, and all this stuff, but smaller scale, but still same high stakes for Batman because it's his family that they're going after. Um, because what can you do? Threaten the city again? We just saw that. We just saw that. <laughs> yeah. So I think smaller scale, still keep it large stakes somehow. And I mm. guess it has to be the Joker. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be the Joker. <laughs> I, th- I, I think this movie the, or the next movie would lose a lot of money if it didn't feature yeah. the and, Joker. And I thought it, I thought he looked kind of goofy, the Joker. He mm-hmm. looked like he had a really like a, like a rooster <laughs> thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I couldn't really tell. I just could see the hair. It did look a little silly, but also it, it looking at it through a door, etc. Um, yeah, they're all they're doing that. I think I think Pattinson is signed on for three of them, including this mm-hmm. one. Okay, and they're also um, just greenlit the Penguin television show with Colin Farrell um, on HBO. As really? The, yeah, there's a Penguin television show. He's going to be yeah. There. That him and the they were doing the Gotham PD show as well. Like there's already two TV shows coming from oh, this. Oh really? But mm. They're switching up the focus from Gotham PD to Arkham Asylum is what the mm. most recent reports say. So, and it's supposed to be in, in this universe. Yeah, like Colin Farrell's signed on for the Penguin thing, and Jeffrey Wright signed on again when it was like the Gotham PD. I'm sure he'll still be involved, but he was signed on for that too. So maybe they're going trying to go that Disney plus route. We're like, let's do some TV shows that tie into our movies. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know. MCU did something. Nothing. No one else has done. And DC just still seems trying to catch up. (laughs) All right, let's try what they're doing. (laughs) You know? So I'm curious to see how it goes. I do think I really like your idea of like, let's just make it about Bruce or Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, Bruce, because I think that will like make him create that character of Bruce Wayne. You know, Mm -hmm. if the attention is all on him, it's like, okay, I got to create this alias, like maybe to get some, of the heat off me or whatever, you know, he's got to be really philanthropic now and just like get on the city's good side. So I think it'd be really interesting. I, I like that. Like, let's just target him. Cause you know, the first Batman begins, like there's kind of on him and, you know, Scarecrow putting that stuff in the water, but it wasn't like we're blowing up the city this time. You know, like you said, Tom, like they waited for the third one to get really kind of nuts with it. And in this one, it's like first movie, we're drowning everybody. It's like, okay, cool. Like where, <laughs> where are we going from here? You know, like what do we do now? Exactly. So, what are we going to kidnap the president next? And yeah, stop that? Yeah, exactly. just get silly once it gets out of the city. Yeah. It, this is not national treasure too. They can't kidnap the president. Exactly. There's limits, Ragnar. Limits. Not to Batman. It's time for question three. What is the Riddler's first pun? Hmm. I don't know if it was the first, but I'll lock in with one. Locked in. Okay. So, Ragnar, what do you have? I'm not going to get it exactly right uh, or right at all, but I remember something along the lines of, what does a liar do when he dies? He lies still. I don't even know if that's a pun, but that's the only thing I can come up with. All right. And Ben, what do you have? That's probably right, but I, I was going to go with Thumb Drive. I thought maybe that was the first one, but I think it was a little further into the movie. Ben actually gets the points. That's the pun, ah. not the riddle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, what does what a liar, what does a dead liar do? He lies mm-hmm. still. Um, 
which is in the I think it's the first riddle. Right? Yeah. That's the first riddle yeah. they get. In the car. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mentioned I mentioned the thumb drive earlier. You did. Yeah, so I know. I wouldn't have remembered it if you had talked about it earlier. <laughs> I almost I almost subbed it out because I'm like, well, they'll all just get it. And we, you know. Um all right. So let's talk about so I brought this question forward to talk about uh Paul Dano's Riddler. We've touched on this a little bit, but what did you guys think of the the performance? Um I mean that like the arc and meetup between them was so great. Like besides that whole Colin Farrell thing, like right around that thumb drive moment, you know, when they're, you know, they're interrogating him or whatever. I think the other best part of this is just how committed Paul Dano was in the Arkham face to face. I loved that scene so much. Like he, he just was, I don't know. He just owned the screen during that whole thing. And I just could keep watching that because he was so unhinged and we got to really see that in the character like when you know batman doesn't buy into what he's doing like he kind of freaks out he's like wait no i was doing all this for us like what, what are you doing <laughs> you know like and he's just kind of losing his mind like no this was all for me and you you know um so i i really enjoyed that aspect of it i liked how much we didn't get to see him like even in the diner like when he's doing the turn they still like cut the camera one more time before we actually get to see his face just to, like tease us one more time I was like all right that was cool I like that like um I was surprised how late into the movie that happened since they put that in the trailer like I thought maybe early on it was going to be maybe like a silence of the lambs type thing like let me go talk to this person and figure out what the riddle is and then I'll go out and solve it I thought maybe that's what they were going to go for mm-hmm. with the riddler so the fact that it was like so late into the movie that that happened um but I still think it paid off really well um i liked his i mean i didn't like them but the storyline of you know essentially all these guys who feel like marginalized and stuff and it's like we're gonna go kill like you know all the orphans and stuff like that i'm like Mm -hmm. i buy that i see that like i think there are unfortunate echoes of that in society today so i totally buy this storyline unfortunately um and i i see why the riddler like had that influence and all that kind of stuff so i think paul dano was great i mean this was honestly like just as different for me as like Jim Carrey Paul Dano is the same as like Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger it's like how's that guy gonna do it and then he does it like okay yeah that was really good actually like he he did a really nice job and all in the storytelling and everything but I'm I'm, I'm here for Paul Dano I thought it was awesome and I, I I like that he's alive and I hope we get to see him in this next movie uh yeah 100 percent. I mean Paul Dano was one of the highlights of the movie he has a history of being creepy, a long history of being a creep uh, on screen. And I think it all stems from his work in There Will Be Blood, uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, where he plays just, I mean, he goes out of his mind with Daniel Day-Lewis. So that's probably where he got his elite level acting, creep level acting job. I mean, and he knocks it out of the park in that uh, Arkham scene. I mean, I just agree with you 100%. It did feel a little bit derivative of the Joker scene, with Batman, kind of like you complete me, we are one of the same kind of thing. But yeah, it's a really eh, good point. You know, you just kind of you just got to roll with it, and he did a phenomenal job. I'm I'm I also want to say to his credit, I really like that he was willing to have his face covered for ninety percent of the movie. Very few actors would 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 be okay with that. You know, they they want to say, hey, you got to see my face. You know, but he was really into the role. I think he was phenomenal. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. And I just want to say for anyone who's listening, if you're into creepy Paul Dano, 
check out prisoners he's so creepy in that and it is such a good movie jill and hall hugh jackman check out prisoners for sure paul dano's great in that movie denis villeneuve right yes yes Mm -hmm. from dune Mm -hmm. yeah or to just check out Dune. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, this both. is this is the recommendation podcast, which is yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and there will be blood. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm not in as love with Paul Dano as, as the rest of you guys. Um, in general, I, or in this movie, in both. Um, I'm uh, part of actually part of the problem for me was I'm really not a big fan of there will be blood. I, I have a lot of trouble with that. Um, he's apparently, I have not seen it, but he's apparently you're fired. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Ragnar has been trying to fire slash kill me for, for a few years now. Um, eventually I'm going to find out where you live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, bring it, bring it. Uh, but he's apparently fantastic as, uh, Oh God, the beach boy. Um, Oh yeah, yes. Brian Wilson. Brian Mercy. Wilson, thank you. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Brian. Yeah. yeah, that movie's that was an unexpected treat. Like I put that on, I think on a plane, and I was like, "All right, I'll see what this is all about." And he was mm-hmm. he was great. Yeah, I, there is that thing with you know the the like you were saying the kind of Joker, we are the same. You know uh, that type of thing with the Riddler. Um, I would say the one thing I did find suspenseful was I did think he was going to reveal that who, who Batman was uh, that actually, that had a bit of tension. So did he, or did he not? Was he just saying the word name Bruce Wayne? No, he and- was just, yeah, he was just saying Bruce Wayne. He thought Batman okay. was like on his team and like the embodiment oh, of everything okay. he hated was Bruce Wayne. Um, okay. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I, you know, cause that's, and and I think Pattinson, that's one of his finer moments, having to deal with that. Um, you know, uh, that's yeah, it's it's a nice little touch, and it is one of the few things in the movie that does have actual suspense. Um yeah, I I, I think the theme though, and I, you know, I know movies aren't aren't just themes, but the, the theme though of like Batman is is a hair length away from being one of these people is far more clear in this. Uh, it's also maybe a little too clear. Like, you know, if, if they really hammer it home, um, especially in that last line of the shooter who, you know, says I am vengeance, blah, 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 like, like Batman uh, says at the, at the beginning of the movie. And maybe that's possibly the same person he beats up at the beginning of the movie. I, couldn't tell but um that, that's what i was thinking might happen but anyway it, it really doesn't matter the, you know the point is uh that batman has to like whatever uh, evolve and not just be angry anymore um which i don't know kind of is a little lame <laughs> it's it's a little lame i, I think the Super lame. yeah it is i mean the thing with so i i, I will say it a thousand times nick you know a normal co-host hates how much I, I talk about how much I, I dislike Nolan movies, but something Nolan does really well, I think, and that's in the script is that what makes Batman and Joker different is actually really interesting. Batman isn't a hair length away from Joker. He is a, a sort of a transcendent symbol of the city itself and, and what the, the virtues of the city are. Um, and that people when coming together to see themselves as a community 
need kind of an iconography, a, a mythos, a, you know, those types of things in order to have a shared narrative. And Batman, in an otherwise crippled Gotham, is able to heal it via supplying that kind of iconography. That's even more important than his his actual fisticuffs and what have you. Um, and the Joker doesn't really understand that, uh, though he knows how to corrupt it, right? You know, anarchy is the opposite of this, right? Anarchy is iconoclasm. I think that's what Nolan's doing in, in that middle film. And certainly in the last film, when the French Revolution breaks out. Um, in this movie, though, it's much more like you have to be a good citizen and like help people out who are in trouble in order to to really make a difference you know like like you have to like plant a tree and and make the world a more green place and it, it's a it's a little more it, it's a little it's a lot less interesting and also a lot sillier um yeah that's my that's my comparison there yeah I agree with you on that. It felt, I don't, I don't want to sound too extreme, but it felt like this movie does not like Batman. Yes. Yes. And, yes. Am, am I yes. wrong? I mean, no, no, no. Like absolutely. Like, absolutely. That's a great so way to put it. He, I don't, yeah, I, I truly don't think this movie likes Batman because mm -hmm. they make him out to be a, a moody, fumbling fool that cannot solve any crime. That cannot stop any villain, um, except for at the very end, once, you know, maybe solves the, he doesn't even stop the, the assassination of the mayor. It's just a bad shot. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And the only time he is worth something um, is when he lifts this, like, thing that fell on the mayor and mm -hmm. the people can escape. And then they have, like, the shot of him holding the the flare and leading the people to safety which is another supposed to be another weighty moment but how have you earned it like mm -hmm. oh, he's big what he jumped on an electric wire and cut himself cut, cut the wire like it's not enough uh to to mean anything visually it's awesome you know mm -hmm. make that into a painting you know but but in the movie it doesn't mean anything and so they're saying no it's not about solving crime. It's not about beating up the bad guys. It's not about stopping the bad guys. It's about doing civil service stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's about being part of FEMA. Yeah. Um, it's just like, so So, what, where are you going with the next one? Does he join yeah. FEMA? I mean, then he just wears his mask as he goes to, you know. I, I think so, Habitat for Humanity, maybe. Is just... Habitat for Humanity. He's yeah. building houses with the mask on. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we want him to beat up bad guys. That's what he's there for and i think nolan knowing that it has to be more so th both movies know beating up the bad guys is not enough it has to be more than that and nolan did it into creating him into a symbol that can inspire people here it's more of a like i said you know a civil servant kind of thing so i do feel like this movie does not like batman yeah i agree yeah i, I kind of felt like i didn't know i may have just missed it you know that that's totally fair. like i said i've only seen this once but I don't know, I guess, how Gotham feels about Batman, which feels kind of established in the other movies. Like, oh, he's a menace. He's this. Like, we know how the cops feel. They don't like him being, like, on, at the murder scene. Uh, Gordon's the one that, like, lets him get, a, like, come in. And I, I so I get their connection. But it's like, I don't know anyone who likes Batman besides Gordon and Alfred. And I also just don't know how the city feels about him. So that, for me, like you said, the one thing he actually does like lifting up and leading all these people it's like 
but are these people now converted into like okay maybe batman is here for us like i didn't pick up on that because throughout the movie i didn't i don't know how they feel about him do they think he's a bad person and this is his like redemption like no i'm here i saved you all like i am a good person or, or what so that's why that scene just kind of fell flat to me because it's like i don't know this weird dude in a bat suit just like lifted up you know some scaffolding and so we're out of here now but it's like I don't know. It's a beautiful shot without a right. doubt, but that, I think that was one thing that like kind of fell short for me. It's like, I don't know, you know, maybe he is just like so under the radar in these two years. I'm not sure, but I feel like a lot of the other Batman movies have established, like no one's really sold on this guy yet. You know, like, especially again in the Nolan one, you know, especially dark Knight, where it's like no more dead cops, all that kind of like, we gotta get rid of Batman. It's like, okay, we know how <laughs> everyone feels about him now. So that's why the end really exactly. pays off. And it's like, I'll sacrifice myself. That's cool. But this one is just like, I don't know, is this like an emotional beat that these people are following him out of here? Or is it just a really cool looking shot, you know, that he's got a flare in water and people are walking? For me, it was the latter. And that's why I just didn't like work as well or maybe hit like they were intending. 100%. Yeah, they're clearly intending it to be this is him elevating his himself because he does that immediately after the guy goes, I am vengeance, after the, the shooter says, I am vengeance. Right. And so... Um, and also throughout the movie, everybody calls him vengeance, which is an odd, <laughs> he, has he told people so, to say this? <laughs> so that one took me a long time to figure out. Okay. And, 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 and it got, it goes back to what Ben said. The, the only time, uh, Ben, that I saw that we have a, a, a insight into how the city feels about him is at the beginning, mm -hmm. um, when he saves that man from being mugged by the Joker gang. I don't know. They look like clowns i don't know yeah they, no yeah they so. look like the gang from the dark knight returns the 86 comic <laughs> yeah they looked a lot yeah. like that that's what i think they were Super going like for that. yeah 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 and, and it's cool how one of them didn't have the full paint because he wasn't initiated into it very cool um yeah but anyways he beats them up and he i think he extends his hand to the the, the man mm -hmm. and the guy says don't hurt me so that one true, scene yeah. that one tiny scene is like okay people are afraid of him just as much as the the, the burglars uh, or the robbers not enough to make that ending feel weighted anyways uh tom so how does everyone in particular the penguin keep calling him mr vengeance mm. is i remember when he was beating up these uh, clowns at the very beginning they were filming him one of them was filming him oh. and posting it ah. and Okay. I think the, 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 the post went viral and mm -hmm. that's why people knew to call him uh, vengeance. Just, just like you saw Riddler kind of streaming on mm -hmm. Instagram or whatever. Um, that's why it's a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they definitely should have invested at least 30 seconds into that. And in showing that. Yeah. Okay. That, there we go. That, that explains it. I, I couldn't figure out why everybody knew to call him vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it's, it seemed like he misbranded himself or something, but I had missed the moment. Uh, <laughs> His marketing department was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not doing it all that money yeah. in marketing. Uh, that's a really good point about that guy. He's like, please don't hurt me. That, that totally makes sense. But yeah, it is just like that book ends three hours. Exactly. And it feels like there's not much else in between there to like remind us of that. Like, again, like I, I take responsibility for like completely forgetting about that, but I will say that I did enjoy that at the beginning though. 
that the bat signal and just all these looks down like dark alleys or dark doorways I'm like that's kind of cool at least the bad guys know like to look out for him uh i thought that was like done pretty pretty well but that's a very good call and the guy's like please don't hurt me yeah which which i think that moment does have a weight when he says please don't hurt me that's interesting it's it's just sort of then there's three hours of it so here we are at the final question worth two points uh ben's in the lead with four ragnar is right behind with one um, I'm going to make it interesting and both uh, both interesting and unfair to Ben by making this question worth three points. Ooh, I like it. All right. This is so mean to Ben, but I, you know, I don't care. Uh, here we go. It's time for question four. What activity do both the Riddler and Batman engage in? Lockdown. I, I'll lock in. All right, Ben, what do you have? Uh, I mean, not right, but singing in choir. I don't know. <laughs> all right, There's Ragnar. What? Singing in choir. Was a... And they're the little boys. That's all I could think of. Like, what do they both do? I don't <laughs> even remember what they both do. <laughs> and I honestly don't even think Bruce sang. I think he was just there. <laughs> like, That's right. Riddler was singing. So, yeah, without a doubt, mm. let's, let's go yeah. to overtime. <laughs> uh, being orphans, right? You know, no. Um, my answer would be uh, stalking people via binoculars. He really likes to, they both like to do that. And, and uh, the camera goes first person. In each one. Oh, that's a good point. My, uh, my thing here was they both journal. We see them Ooh, both. That's right. That was yes. their activity. Yeah. I'm going to give, uh, not give points here just because, um, they also both walk. They both ride in motor vehicles. They, you know, I mean, if we, if but we, how get... many people stalk via binoculars? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So Ragnar, you get two points, and Ben wins the episode. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> we could do. One. Yeah, I was ready for a tiebreaker. Was well, how about go. you want another tiebreaker? Mm-hmm. Sure, why not? Yeah, let's, go, let's go for a tiebreaker. It's time for a bonus question. What type of mask does the Riddler have? What is its type? It is actually in the movie. Locked in. What? Locked in? Uh, Locked in. Okay. What do you have, Ragnar? At an army surplus store recommended to him by one of his online followers. And Ben, what do you have? Yeah, let's say, isn't it like a, a winter's hunting mask or something along those lines, I believe? All right. Like it is a winter combat mask is the, the brand. So combat. I think that's pretty, yeah, pretty close. It was uh, it was on that, um, it's supposed to be 4chan, I think, but that, that website yeah. where the uh, one of the persons said, where do you get the mask or, or what type of mask mm. is it? And he says, it's a winter. Ah. And hunting is like a one-way combat. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, one person has a gun, one doesn't. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I suppose. Very lopsided combat. Yeah, I suppose that is the slothful Spartans combat. <laughs> All right. So um, bringing this last question here uh, to kind of, you know, wrap up the movie. I think we've, we've talked a lot about it. Um, we've talked a lot about the, the relationship between Riddler and the Batman. Uh, and... So therefore, we'll we'll turn it over to, um, you know, the kind of larger picture. Any other kind of big thoughts about the film? Small thoughts? Uh, some other characters we haven't touched on, like Alfred or Gordon? I think we spend most of our time talking about 
what we don't like about this movie and validly so because there's so much not to like in a three-hour big blockbuster film i think it was poorly written but really well executed and one of those executions that i think is just spectacular was that car chase scene um mm -hmm. in particular the ending when um from when penguin saying i got you i got <laughs> you and then you see the car coming like like a bat out of hell um and then him batman walking up to the penguin upside down with the fire behind them mm -hmm. spectacular that that's yeah. the stuff of a plus batman movie mm -hmm. um unfortunately it's everything that connects those scenes that was not very good so I, I did want to tip my hat to the technical aspects the cinematography of this movie that cinematographer also did the cinematography for dune um oh. mm -hmm. So that's why it looked amazing. And uh, I think a missed opportunity, I did say that I think Catwoman should have been cut. I stand by that because I feel there was a better relationship that could, uh, a relationship that could have been developed that would have led to better results. And that is between uh, Gordon and Batman. Mm -hmm. I think if they had really dug deep into that, why does Gordon trust Batman so much right at the beginning where he's willing to let him come into the crime scene against everybody's wishes? There must be a reason. And it's not because of his detective skills, because we've established that he doesn't solve anything. So exploring that and, and they clearly have a, a connection there. I think that would have been far, far more rewarding than the you have to have a romance. You have to have the scene at the end. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do a deep cut here. There is a scene in, in a Batman comic book called, um, I forgot what it's called, but there's a big earthquake. It doesn't matter. But the point is, Gordon has been complaining that he doesn't know who Batman is. And at the end of it, Batman, after saving his life, takes off his mask to show Gordon who mm -hmm. he is. And Gordon kept his eyes closed. And he says, I don't, I was wrong. I don't need to know who you are. I already know everything I need to know about you. And I think that something like that, I've been waiting for a mm. great moment like that to happen on the screen. And I think this movie could have had something like that, but they got Catwoman instead. Uh, so that's it. Very technical, yeah. technically gifted film, poorly written. Yeah. Speaking of the technically gifted, I, again, you're right. Batmobile cinematography, all that's great. The score also awesome. Michael Giacchino, like you did a, a great job. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it is funny because that was my one thing I wanted to bring up too was Jeffrey Wright. I love Jeffrey Wright. I think he's a wonderful actor. Great. I had a really hard time with him as Gordon for some reason. And I don't know if it was like their relationship, which again, I think really could have been developed some more. Cause like, I, I don't know. We, I just had no idea. Like, why is he letting me in? We, and we don't get any insight as to why that is um, where at least, you know, and maybe it's unfair to keep, comparing it to the Nolan, but I mean, that's the last time I think Batman was done really, really well. And we get that with that Gordon, you know, like he, he proves like, okay, I can trust this guy, whatever, but we just haven't seen that yet, which is fine. But we're also two years into him being Batman. I feel like Gordon would be more solidified and like, yes, we can definitely trust this guy. And I, I think he's more just like, I, I think he'll help us figure this out. I don't know for sure, you know, and so many of like the riddles and stuff, part of what bothered me was that like Gordon was the one reading them and like kind of helping him solve them. It's like, wait, you are the world's greatest detective. Like why is <laughs> Jeffrey Wright like reading the card out loud and just like, 
it, it just felt like very exposition heavy. Like they would show us the card, we would see the riddle, then Gordon would read the riddle, and then <laughs> Batman would say justice. I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel like this is going faster, but all right, you know, whatever. So that was, uh, I don't know, kind of difficult. So I still, again, this goes back to me needing to see the second time. Like, I don't know if Jeffrey Wright didn't work as Gordon or if just the Gordon Batman relationship wasn't as like fleshed out as I wanted it to be, but something in there just didn't work great for me. Um, but one thing that did work great that I think is really risky is voiceover. And I think they paid it off well in this movie, like with the journaling and stuff, like it made sense. Like I, you know, went to, school for film and took some screenwriting classes and the, the teacher always said like voiceover is a nightmare like don't do it if you don't have to because it's just exposition <laughs> people are going to be sick of it like it's it's not a creative thing to do it's actually like the opposite of that where we're just going to tell everyone our feelings <laughs> like you can't do that but i think it worked really well here because they did establish that one of the activities they both do is journal so like the voiceovers <laughs> totally made sense like i get it i feel like we're like participating in this so i, I just wanted to shout that out that I think that can be tricky to do, and I think they nailed it. Absolutely. I, I think the problem with that, uh, because I, I I also second, I think Jeffrey Wright's a, is a really good actor. Um, if you've seen him play uh, the American agent in the James Bond movies, uh, what's that name? That, that, uh, Felix. Felix, thank you. Felix Leiter, who's a mainstay in the James Bond movies, but he actually like... What he does with that is is very impressive, even though it is it is slight, um, and especially in the, in the more recent ones where he's like he's a little more body, he's he's fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, Jeffrey Wright is a really talented guy, though I haven't seen the Goldfish because I don't want to see the Goldfish, um, Goldfinch. But uh, <laughs> I, I just heard it was terrible. But um, I think the problem is he has nothing to do in this movie. He follows Batman around. What do you think? And, and Batman tells him what he thinks. And you know, now we learn. Now we know what Batman thinks, or what the clue is supposed to mean, or or things like that. I mean, he is sort of. He doesn't have a tremendous amount of agency. He doesn't have that much to do. I think if you cut him, what would you lose? Right. Right. I mean, and you could cut. You could cut, cut the whole scene where uh, Batman's in the police station and Gordon helps him out by getting hit and Batman flies off the roof. Um, you could cut that whole thing. It doesn't, doesn't matter at all. Right. You know, because the next scene yeah. we see Batman with the cops and they've kind of forgiven him or I apparently assaulting a police officer works kind of like confession where it's as long <laughs> as you're given absolution from the cops, you can just hang out with them again. Um, but yeah, I think that's a character who, who could have been cut. Now you can't cut Gordon because I think Batman kind of works more like Commedia dell'arte, where if you if you're missing certain things, it just feels wrong. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's not Batman anymore. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't tell you why he was in the movie other than he was in the comics. Yeah, I, I agree. I think again, just to hit on it with Batman Begins, like they were kind of working together, but he wasn't in a position to like bring Batman in, so they were working like secretly together on stuff. And then once he becomes like Commissioner Gordon, then it's like, okay, like, he, you know, I don't know, like we're, the Batman's on our side. We can kind of clarify it. This Gordon here, I still don't even know what his rank is. Like uh, he could let Batman be at the crime scene until his boss showed up. And it's like, all right, you got to go now. Like my boss is here. So it, that was kind of weird to me too. It's like, what, what authority, I guess, does this Gordon have that, that he's allowed to do this? Um, and then again, just like, I just felt like, they were strangers who just like sometimes show up at crime scenes together. Like, I don't know what their 
connection is. So I'm, I'm with you, Ragnar. I really, I would trade Catwoman for a Gordon, you know, relationship a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this, the movie just was so focused on its plot and, and I feel like it, it I feel like these people, the, the people that made this movie watched Joker, uh, the, the recent one, and Nolan films and said, oh, okay, the plot is cool or just moody scenes are cool. And so they just stuffed it with that when that's not really what makes those movies good. And that what makes those movies good are the characters. So if you cut away the Thomas Wayne nonsense, the Catwoman nonsense, and, and you put in more narrators, you're, I think you're 100% right. I hate voiceover, but they did it so good in this movie. Um, right off the bat, it was amazing. Why not put more? Why not have Riddler do his own voiceover so we can see how what crazy stuff is going on in his mind and Gordon do his voiceover so we can see his struggles with, you know, trying to get the police force uh, in line and, and with Batman. And there, I mean, that might be too much, but my point is build characters and then the the plot kind of just, will just work itself out. And I think the movie just did the opposite and it doesn't work. It's time for Movie Rant. One thing I'll say, I wonder what you guys think. And I, I sort of like this element. It was advertised a lot coming up to this movie is the uh, the the sort of nuts and bolts look of everything that Batman does. The fact that you see the, the seams in the cowl and his mask, um, the car kind of it like misfires when he first turns it on, right? And then it then it goes, and you could see that he's been working on the engine. You see the the, the pistons and the um, the seal caps in in the Batcave. Um, I thought I was going to find that a kind of a little pretentious, like it's movie magic. It just it he has this stuff and it's fine. But I actually sort of like those that that kind of um that realistic kind of sloppiness to it I, th- I thought that was a lot of fun uh you know and i i, I have to say I, I like that batmobile a lot not as much as as 89 batman but um that tracing was great that was a lot of fun uh but yeah i was wondering did you guys think it was a uh an enjoyable take on this or was it maybe a little a little pretentious no, I, I was I was with it. I think that again, that kind of while this is year two of Batman, he's still developing who he is. Because what what is this like journal calls like the um, Gotham Project or something like that? Oh, I think okay, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still just like trying to figure things out, and I do think you know the the Playboy Bruce Wayne. That's where like he comes in, and everything is like you know shiny and perfect, and like that you know that underground layer that they have in dark night you know with like the the gun range and all the lights up top and all that like that's a very fine-tuned rich person's like place to go do this and this batman is still just like i don't know kind of figuring it all out so it it worked for me as like for the first movie and i'm curious to see how they develop that for the next one 100 percent, yeah i really loved it i loved it and i wish there would be more of it um maybe and, and I think they kind of hinted at, at it and, and they didn't really go with this thread. Remember at the very beginning or very beginning, it's three hours. So in the first hour, they were talking about, Alfred was telling him, we have the accountants coming in. You're, you're going to ruin your, your wealth. You know, you're going to ruin the Wayne name. And we never see the accountants. There's no repercussions of that. There's <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that thread dies at the end mm-hmm. of that scene. So why have it there? Yeah. Well, you know, you know the old Chekhov's gun thing. If you show a gun in the first act, just have a good time. 
it's got to go off, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one never went off. There, he was never like, oh, you know, Alfred, I, uh, I, I need another batarang. And Alfred's like, yeah, how are you going to pay for it? You know, you got to get a job, you know, because you ruined the finance. Like I told you, you know, of course I'm joking, but like it was a thread that I thought was cool. Um, that was kind of explored in the previous movies, but here we have a young Wayne trying to figure out, it would kind of play into, I have to develop a, a, a Bruce Wayne persona um, that they were just abandoned. You know, we lived with it with, for three seconds and then gone. This also, uh, speaking of Alfred, felt like out of all the Batmans, like the weakest connection between a Bruce and Alfred. Like I didn't sure. necessarily buy their connection. Like honestly, even... Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck, I was like, oh yeah, these guys like have each other's back, all that kind of stuff, you know, for whatever you want to think of the mess that is Batman for Superman, but like all these other Alfreds, even in the old Schumacher ones, like all that kind of stuff, like I, I bought their connection and this one, I don't know, you know, and I don't know, I guess maybe we don't have to worry about it for the second <laughs> movie now, but I just kind of felt like what is their, what's their dynamic here? And maybe it's because Pattinson is so standoffish and all that kind of stuff, like they could have been part of it. But it, more than anything, I just was bothered that it was drawn, drawn my attention of how little they seem to connect or whatever. Um, so again, might have been intentional, but it's just like oh, I always assume like Batman's like the one confidant that or Alfred is the one confidant that Batman has. And it just I just didn't see that in this one. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. And Jeremy Irons is funny. Right, that's what he's he's funny with Ben Affleck. He's one of the yeah. favorite parts of Batman versus Superman. Or is Jeremy Irons in the Justice League eighteen-hour <laughs> extravaganza? Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I can't remember if he was. Look, I'll, but... <laughs> I'll say it's controversial. I preferred that Batman over this one. That's me. I preferred the Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I preferred Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne. I had more fun with that one. Yeah, that one's a lot more fun. It's certainly yeah. a lot more fun. I, I it's, uh, it's kind of tiring because that movie's also Batman versus Superman is also long, and I'm, I know people love the Snyder cut. I, oh, I, I was, I was, <laughs> it was not a fan. <laughs> when they had the Nick Cave music video for Aquaman to walk out to, um, <laughs> they played the entire like you know Nick Cave and the Bad yeah. Seeds like that entire song for a character that has already been introduced. I was to watch it. Like I was going, why are we? Oh God, I have so few hours on Earth and. I would say it's better than the Joss Whedon version. Yeah, yeah, I, but anyway. But that's uh, easy to do. Yeah, I, I I, will say I will defend Pattinson in this. I don't know, the word I keep coming back to is he's soulful. He has, a, there's a lot of, um, there's a, a lot going on in his eyes whenever you see him in that, in that kind of, um, mm-hmm. in, in the mask there. Um, yep. it, it's an interesting, interesting performance. It's something that actually probably would suit in a better movie with probably even a different character. Um, I absolutely, I I do agree with you. I think he does do a good job and I want to touch on something you said, Tom. Um, You said that probably his best performance in the film was him listening to the Riddler, maybe out him as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. And I think that's telling because I, first of all, I agree with you. And I think that's very telling at how good of a job he did because he doesn't say much at that moment. Mm-hmm. He has to portray a lot of emotions 
with half his face covered, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he does a great job uh, of doing that. So yeah, under the cowl, I think, you know, his this part of his face, the <laughs> lower part of his face and his eyes, he really, he really portrays and displays a lot of emotion more so than probably any Batman. Mm -hmm. My one, one quibble is when he was the, the, the stupid scene where he kind of pushes the table and has to draw everything out on the floor. <laughs> when he was pushing that table, I was like, that's the guy that's supposed to be beating up all these people. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a scrawny kid, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, there must be some really padded bat suit <laughs> right there. Cause this guy is not beating anybody up. Yeah. He's, he's a little more ripped in twilight too, or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Which one was that? Is it the new moon? Twilight 2? I never moon? saw those. Oh, I saw the first three. Yeah. I I, I invested time in that. Not as much <laughs> as in the Justice League, but, but close. <laughs> I think he just keeps injecting that Bane Venom that he did at the end, and that's where he gets his like adrenaline to do stuff. Yes, yeah. that's totally the Bane Venom. Uh, yeah. that's, that's probably going to be the sequel somehow, or the, or the third part, you know? Mm. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if they could develop yeah. that into something. Because like, that was just like out of nowhere, like okay, and totally like, yeah, it was like neon green. I was like yeah. this doesn't go with the whole palette of the film at all. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's kind of what? like I'm thinking about. It's like, is this going to be like weaponized? Like, do they find whatever the recipe is for this? Then like that's how maybe Bane comes to be. Like, I don't know. For I'm kind of sure. curious, but yeah, that's kind of what I thought of when I saw that. But again, I was just coming off Batman and Robin, so. <laughs> That's all I can see. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 actually just monster energy juice. It's nothing exotic at all. <laughs> yes, exactly. If you put it into your <laughs> vein, you get that result. He can't stomach drinking it. It's too terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I know. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he gets his coffee. He'll scratch his throat with all that carbonation, yeah. you know. So just inject it straight <laughs> in me. I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, Ben. Ben, did you win the clerks episode? uh i think i did yeah this has been a solid 24 hours for very me very good yeah he's, he's taking it down imagine if there was an actual prize that went along with it um you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our youtube channel twitter at talking studios and our website talkingpicturestrivia.com we're extremely grateful to all of those who subscribe like follow and leave a review what other new releases would you like Talking Pictures Trivia to cover? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Ben and Ragnar, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Ragnar, it was nice to finally meet you. Like, I've heard your episodes. I keep seeing your name on there. It's like... I have no idea who what this person looks like, but I'm excited. So I was uh, honestly honored to be on this episode with you. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to, uh, you know, if you like movie podcasts, you listen to this, feel free to follow my other podcasts um, at Three Films Pod. Uh, again, that's Three Films and a Podcast. And the other one is 24 Minutes of A24. And that is at 24 Minutes of A24. And if for some reason you want more of me, I'm everywhere at Benny Burrito. Ben, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you very much for your kind words, Tom. As always, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on so many times on this. I have a blast every single time. Uh, so just thank you. I'm very grateful. Yeah, thank you, guys. It, it was great. And I think this is our first three time zone podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, New Orleans, Connecticut, and Utah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got 9 p.m.
Ah, that's awesome. I got 10. Eight o'clock. That's why I was running late today. I just got home from work. <laughs> very, <so. laughs> very good. Uh, always end on a strong note. That's what I was saying. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Lehman 15. Uh, we have, I'm not entirely sure when it's released, a B-side KJ and I did on what is a canon? Uh, does Batman have a canon or is this working in a different way? That type of thing. So to check that out at Talking Pictures Trivia B-side. I hope you enjoyed this Talking Pictures Trivia new release. We hope to do more of these in the future. Ding, 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 ding.